0: You're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. Good morning and welcome to our new collection called Open. We're going to talk a lot today about the spirit of generosity and how our generosity changes the world. And uh, I'm really excited for this series. So this is a good one to take notes on. It's a good one to ask me questions later. Um, and even if you don't agree with me, man, like hit me up this week and we'll have a convo about it. But it's going to be a, a great series. I think you're going to get a lot out of out of this one called Open. And, and, and the first thing, to kick this one off, I've got kind of an illustration that I want to dig into, and I, I love diving. If you know anything about me, I really enjoy diving. And a few years ago, uh, I was diving with a couple buddies, and we sent the first guy in first, you know, where it was a boat dive, and, and he jumped off the boat, and you kind of just take a big stride step right off the boat, and he went in, and the other guy and I were like just joking around and talking. Well, what we didn't know is when he jumped in the water, he was five feet away from a pretty big hammerhead. And uh, and so he's in the water, turns around, and right there's the hammerhead. He's freaking out, like so he's like trying to come to the surface and get our attention. And we're throwing things at each other on the boat and just goofing off and having fun at, at, with each other, totally ignoring our buddy that we just sent into the ocean, right? Dealing with this hammerhead. And so so anyway, you know the boat sputters around a little bit, and the next guy jumps in, and then and then I jump in. By the time I got in, the hammerhead was gone. You know the noise of the boat scared him, and the second diver jumped in. He saw the hammerhead too, and that scared him. And then the guy was like guys, that was the longest three minutes of my life and I'm trying to get your attention and all you're doing is goofing off and, you know, and we didn't know what was going on. Why is that so scary, right? To, to jump into the ocean and see a hammerhead. And, and I'll tell you why. Because you've left your environment and you've entered his environment, right? And so I have a first picture I want to show you. This is a picture of a shark here. A shark, just terrifying to look at in general, right? You can imagine jumping off a boat, getting into the water and seeing this guy. Why is it so intimidating, right? Because that thing in the water is a torpedo. It's a missile. It's designed for the ocean. It is a killing machine. It's a torpedo with teeth. When you're underwater, right? And, and when we're in the water, man, we're flailing around. We got gear on. You're slow. You move slow. Nothing happens quickly. And that thing is really, really fast. And say, if a shark ever comes at you, they say just actually to push them sideways. You never want to just try to push against them because, man, that thing's just going to move you right along with it. You are nothing in its way, right? Now, you, you take this shark, though, and you put him on the beach, and he becomes pretty helpless, doesn't he? He's flopping around. He's exerting all kinds of energy. He's not really getting anywhere. Easily you can run away from him, right? Well, hit the next slide for me, right? Here, here's a cheetah. They look beautiful. You don't really want to meet one of these in the wild, right? Like, we're not going to outrun this guy if he wants you for a snack. And, and, and so they're like, what, zero to 70 and like 0.2 or whatever. It's, it's crazy. And, and so, but you take this cheetah and you throw him in the ocean, and he's actually quite helpless. He's going to struggle. He's going to exert all kinds of energy. He's not going to go 70 miles an hour, and before long, he's he's going to drown. He's not going to make it, right? He's, he's harmless in the ocean. You can hit the next one for me. This is a jaguar, and you don't want to meet one of these in, in the jungle. We actually have a few Florida panthers around, right? And they're cute to look at at the, you know, zoo, but not not in the actual wild and so this guy is the king of the jungle in a sense right you you don't want to run into him in the jungle you're not going to see him coming and you're going to have problems if you ever run into him i was watching nat geo and they even take out alligators right like these guys are tough they are mean they're bad they're at the top of the food chain and uh, but again you you take him and you throw him in a lake and uh, he's not going to do very well left in that environment and eventually he's going to drown he's He's a little more dangerous than a cheetah in the water, but you can't leave him there very long. He's he's not going to make it. What what am I saying is that that each animal in their environment that they've been designed for is wildly deadly and dangerous and powerful. You take them out of their environment, you put them in a different kind of environment, they're helpless, they're weak, they're exerting all kinds of energy, and they're not actually getting anywhere. A Christian on mission in their environment is at the top of the food chain. You're the most dangerous things the kingdom of hell the earth has ever, ever seen when you're on mission. A Christian out of their environment and off mission becomes quite helpless. You exert all amounts of energy, and yet life doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Why? Because now that you follow Christ, you're designed for an environment, and it will work within the environment. And this is why some of you you're like I'm exerting all kinds of energy, yet I feel so lost. The first question I would ask you is are you on mission? Are you on mission because life will never make sense for you until you get in the right environment. All of a sudden in the right environment, in community, in a local church, it's like planting it's like if I take a plant and I uproot it Every few months, it's not going to grow. It's going to dwarf. Yet if I put it somewhere and I put the right fertilizer around it and the sun and the water and I leave it and it stays, dude, it's going to explode. You are designed for the right environment, and that's called community. And in community, all of a sudden, you become in the right place at the right time, and as you embrace mission, man, you start doing things that you never thought you could do. Okay, So I want to talk about a few things this morning, how we can actually get on mission. What, what is God calling us to? What, 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 is, what is this whole thing? So, Catherine, wait at the first scripture for me. I'm going to go through this. This is 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, right? So God's heart is, man, I, I want, want the world, right? Do You ever wonder why God didn't just like bleep you up to heaven the moment you got saved? I really enjoy Star Trek, and I thought they'd done a pretty good job with the, the, the modern remakes of Star Trek. And, and one of the cool things about it is like this ability to beam somebody, right? And you like beam them up and from the planet back to the ship and they're safe and everything. You ever wonder why God doesn't just beam you up the moment you get saved? And let's be honest, it would be a little bit easier if that were the case. You receive Jesus, beam me up, Scotty. I'm good. No more taxes. No more coronavirus, right? Like, I mean, like, I, I don't have to pay any more bills. Like, I would have no more problems. I don't have to deal with other people's sin. I don't have to deal with my sin. Life is good. I'm in heaven. I just got beamed up. Why doesn't God just beam you up the moment you receive Christ? I'll tell you why. So you can let somebody else know about Jesus, You and I are perfectly designed to share Jesus with somebody else. And here's why, because some of you don't believe me. Not even Jesus can say, I once was a sinner, but now I've been found. Jesus never sinned. He doesn't know what it's like to live a life separated from the love of God. He doesn't know what it's like to feel all the damage of sin and brokenness, because he never sinned. Not even angels can say, man, the cross is for me. They, they, they don't have that second chance. When those angels fell, that was it, man. You and I have the perfect opportunity to go up to somebody and say, I know what it's like to feel broken. I know what it's like to feel lost. I know what sin, the heaviness of sin, the, the shame, the guilt. I know what it's like, and I know what forgiveness feels like. I know what it's like to go from death to life, from sin to joy, from pain to promise. I know what that is. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus. The only reason God did not just beam you right up to heaven is so you could help him fulfill this mission. And I want to make something very, very clear this morning. God does not need you. He does not need me. He does not need us. But he has invited us to be a part of the greatest rescue mission of all time. It is not an understatement to say that the rescue of the human race is at stake. And coronavirus has caused a lot of fear in a short time. I mean, last year we weren't even thinking about it, and then from this little harbor in China comes all of this worldwide fear. What if people woke up and realized the spiritual state they were actually in? It would be everywhere. As you're a follower of Christ, you realize the state of the world is in a spiritual lostness, right? It's a, there's a virus going around, and it's called sin, and it's wildly, wildly dangerous, and there's a remedy. God has invited us to be a part of his great mission. The thing that God cares about more than anything else is this mission. He's invited us to be a part of it. And how we get to be a part of it is our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But but I first want to say if that does not move your heart, something is wrong. If you don't feel a sense of, I can't believe God has invited me on this mission with him, you might want to slap yourself when you get home. Because that should do something to your spirit if you're a Christian. God has invited me. You know, when I was in high school and I was on, I, I was on, I was a freshman and they moved me up to JV and varsity. And, uh, and one of the games, one of the guys, he was, a, I played forward position. He was sick. And so they put me in and I remember my coach is like, we're down by 10. We really need you to play hard. Don't let me down. Right. Don't let the team down. That was like his encouraging words. And I'm a freshman. I'm, I'm feeling intimidated already. And I thought, I got to go. And man, I want you to know I played hard. I got as many rebounds as I could. I scored about 20 points that game. And the whole crowd is cheering for me. And I'm just like, this is the greatest feeling I felt. Like, I, mean, I just felt so good to turn the game around, to be there for the team, to bring the ball across the finish line in a sense. I, was, I just felt so good to show up for my team. Can I, can I tell you that God is counting on us? To bring the ball across the field and into the zone. And that ought to just surprise some of us and and moose us this morning. God is inviting us to his greatest mission. You will never get an invitation to be a part of anything more meaningful in your entire life. You know, people spend their whole lives looking for meaning. And when you and I find Jesus, meaning finds us. The most meaningful thing you will ever do in life is not leave a legacy. It's bring somebody else to eternity. This is the great mission. This is why we are still here. It's to spread this thing. How, How do we do this? Pastor Matt, how does the kingdom move forward? How does the local church move forward? How does this mission move forward? Man, I'm so glad you asked this morning. That's the right question. First of all, we give of our time. Everybody say time. All right, thank you so much. We give of our time. The church is not an organization that we get a membership card from. The church is not a social club that that we join. The church is not a building that we sit in. The church is a movement of people that we choose to be a part of. The church is something that was planted 2,000 years ago, and she's been moving for 2,000 years and we choose to be a part of this movement. Church is way more about going than it is coming and sitting. Amen. We choose to be a part of this wild community called the church. So how do we give of our time? Well, we, most of us will work about 30 to 40 hours a week. Some of you are, are grinding all the time, and you're maybe 50, 60, 70. But what I like to do in my life, I heard a pastor say this, and I, it's always stuck with me. He said, Matt, I would encourage you to tithe your time. Just like we would tithe our finances, like I would encourage you to tithe your time. So if you work 40 hours a week, could I encourage you to give three, four hours to the local church to serve? Some of you guys came last night to the JC Recovery thing, you know, and man, we got to serve over a hundred people and a dozen of them gave their hearts to Christ. Can we just give it up for the people that really quick chose to serve last night? You guys did a great job. D2, you're right there, did an awesome job. I saw Matt and others and... You know, Loretta, you're amazing. I saw you. Loretta's serving hot dogs, and all of a sudden Will starts worship, and she's, like, crying with her hands up, like, praising Jesus. And it was great, man. It was an awesome event, you know, smelled like cigarettes and barbecue. It was awesome, my kind of people. And it just was great. It was just an awesome outreach, and we couldn't have done it without you guys. And so you guys just chose to serve your time, and a lot of you, you're on a city team already. You give three, four hours here, set up, tear down. You you know what it's all about, and and I thank you because, check this out, the local church cannot move forward without the people of God being generous with their time. We have to give of our time. Here's the thing. Can God inconvenience you long enough to do what he really wants to do? Can God inconvenience you long enough to do what he really wants to do in and through you? You see, most of us, God can't even inconvenience us long enough to get the miracle through. And I'll prove it to you. There was a day Jesus rolled up to Peter. And he said, Peter, the crowd is getting so big, I can't stand face to face with them. They can't see me. And I know you're a fisherman and you should be out there working, but would you dock your boat right here, on the shore, and let me stand on your boat and preach to the crowd. And I know you and Peter, like, he's like, yo, I, I got to be working, Jesus, right? Like, I got to pay those bills. I Money don't just fall from cheese, Jesus. I got to make that money, right? And so he's thinking in his head, I'm wasting my time, right? I'm not working. I'm wasting my time. My boat is docked. Jesus is not getting fish for me. He's standing on my boat preaching to people. I'm getting nothing from this at all, Jesus. And he lets Jesus have the boat for however long his sermon was. And here he's preaching to this crowd. And, And he's like going, and Peter's sitting there just like, man, I'm wasting my time. When Jesus was done with Peter's boat, watch this. Then he says, go out into the deep, cast those nets, right? Drop those nets down. And all of a sudden, they pull up so much fish. It was like a month of fishing, not a day of fishing. What am I saying? Can God inconvenience you long enough to really bless you? God needed his boat to get through so he could get to people, but then he never forgot about Peter. Can I tell you, when God asks for us to be generous with our time, he's not trying to waste our time. He's trying to get a miracle to us. He's trying to get something through us so he can get something to us. Do you honestly think that you'd ever be able to outgive God? Really, do you honestly think that you and I could ever outgive God? No, he's got a bigger shovel. He's always going to give back what we give to him. And, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it comes in financial resources. Sometimes it just comes in blessings. I met my wife because I chose to drive up and serve another minister that night. Sometimes it comes in relationships. Sometimes it just comes in joy. Sometimes it comes in something else. And I don't serve God to get But I recognize, and that's not our motivation here, and that should never be our motivation. But I recognize when God asks me to serve, he's not trying to waste my life. He's trying to invest my life. Can I get an amen? So we give of our our time. The second thing we give is we give of our talent. And And I love this one because our talent is what creates our platform. I want to read this Proverbs 18, 16. You can throw it up for me, Catherine. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Your gift, your talent, what you bring to the table is your platform. No one is calling me asking me how to make a rap album. It is not my gift. It is not my talent. Nobody's calling me to find out how to do worship better. It is not my gift. It's not my talent. Will's not even inviting me to sing on a Sunday morning. I'm kind of offended. But it's not my gift. If if you've ever sat close to me enough, you know that singing is not my gift. But I do have a lot of people now call me and they say, how do you plan a church? How did you do this? How did you organize this? How did you set this up? All of a sudden, the gifting on my life is what creates the people that I talk into. There are plenty of people in 2020 that don't want to talk to a pastor, but they'll talk to you. You know, as I'm getting to know some of you guys, like Brandon, phenomenal music gifts. Will, phenomenal music gifts, right? Like, like Gary loves to race cars, you know? I think his car racing days might be over, but maybe not. He might get back into it. Who knows? But everybody that's got, that's got a niche there, they'll talk to him. Your talent creates your platform. And the more that you invest in your talent... The more that you craft in and of yourself, the more that you'll gather people around that. John Maxwell said this, and I love this, that we lead people through our strengths and we relate to them through our weaknesses. And that's true. But remember, you lead people through your strengths. You lead them through your strengths. With your strength, that is. Is, is what is what draws the, the heads, that's what turns attention, that's where people are like, hey, can I ask you how to do this, and all of a sudden, you've created a platform, you've created favor to talk into, and the body of Christ is designed to lead the world through our strengths, you know, and I, I love like Dan, you know, sound engineering, man, he's already training several guys underneath him, that's a strength, it's just playing out, you know, Akilah last week, I don't know if she's here this week, but she invited her friend last week, and and from college, and she's you know she's got to college, got a platform in leadership there. She invites a friend. Her friend gets saved. Last week we gave her her very first Bible. Come on, isn't that amazing? And and it's like she got saved because Aquila had a strength and she led where she was at. You see, when you and I lead where we're at and where we're designed to lead, we're at the top of our food chain, we've got the gifting, we've got the calling, we've got the anointing, and we turn heads, we create platforms, and that's how we begin to change the world with our talent. Now, I want to read this passage, and Catherine, you get the, the one from Matthew for me. This is Jesus saying, he gives, he's going on a journey, he says in the parable, he gives some five, some two, and this one guy one, Right? And what happens? The guy with five invests it, he makes another five. The guy with two invests it, he makes another two, he gets four. And the guy with one comes back and he says, Jesus, I knew that you were a hard man. Master, I knew that you were a hard man. In other words, I was afraid. And first of all, Jesus isn't necessarily like a hard master. He he misjudges his character, right? And, And so he's out of fear, out of judgment. He buries his talent, right? And he doesn't grow anything. Right? And now the master is like, this is kind of savage Jesus right here. right He's like, man, why didn't you invest it? What are you doing? You're wasting this talent. right And he says, take it away from him. So what, what is the purpose of this parable? God, I am not accountable to something God doesn't give me, but I am accountable to what God does give me. You're, you're not accountable for what God doesn't give you. God, when I get to heaven, God is not going to say, did you cut, cut that worship album? No, he's not going to say that. It's not my gifting. In no way it's going to happen. But he is going to say, did you plant those churches I asked you to? Did you build those campuses? Did you pour into those marriages? Did you build those families? Did you bring those people to faith? I'm not accountable what he doesn't give me, but what he does give me, that's what I'm accountable for. What am I saying? God has given each and every one of you a talent, a gifting, a purpose, a plan, an anointing. That's what you're accountable for. And what does God want to see? God wants to see that you're investing in it. How many Christians have counted themselves out and they've stopped investing in who they really are? The greatest, One of the greatest investments you can ever make is in yourself and choosing to invest and build that anointing and that gifting that's really on your life. You know, the richest place in the world is the graveyard. It's where all the businesses were never started. It's where all those multi-million dollar inventions were never brought out. It's where all those ministries never got off the ground. It's got all this wealth taken to the grave. I don't know about you, but you know, when Jesus left the earth, he said, it is finished. It is finished. He fulfilled, he gave what he was invested in and given with. I want to leave the earth empty and not full, don't you? Come on, like some of you, there's a business on the inside of you and it's calling. You feel it. Some of you, it's like you are like you know that you can craft yourself and go to the next level. Like That's inside of you. Whatever is inside of you, whatever that talent is calling out with you, invest in yourself. One of the greatest things you can ever do, invest in yourself. Take yourself to the next level, and as heads turn, and as God gives you favor, dominate the circle God gives you, and lead those people to Jesus. It's how we lead people at our, our strength. The last one is our, is our treasure, and I love this one. This is so important. And and I'm going to read this. Hit the the verse for me, Catherine. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Hit the next one. "But, But store for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Hit the next one for me. I think we're going to jump down to 24 now. Now, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Isn't it wild that it doesn't say you cannot serve God and the devil? Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say you can't serve God and sin. It says you can't serve God and money. There's something about money, guys, that has the ability to rival God in our hearts. There is a direct connection between my heart and my wallet. Why? Because I spend money on who and what I love. What you love, you'll make money for. This is why couples get in fights about money, because money is emotional. Right? I have money for my stuff, but I don't have money for my wife's stuff. And in my wife's mind, she's got money for her stuff, but she doesn't have money for my stuff. We don't need that. Yes, we do. Where does that come from? Money's emotional. What do I want? What do you want? That's where the conflict comes in, right? It's where you have to start working it out. There's a direct link between your heart and your wallet. And without being condemning here this morning, if I looked at your bank statements, could I tell that you were a follower of Christ? Not a condemning question, but a great question to ask yourself. Jesus says you can't serve God and money. You'll either end up hating the one and loving the other. How many Christians have said, oh, I hate giving. I can't stand giving. All the church talks about is money. You know, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. And when people hit me up, I'm like, Pastor Matt, why does the church talk about money? I'm like, well, our leader talked about money. Why is money important? Because money is a discipleship issue. Track with me for three more minutes. Money's about discipleship. What you love, you'll make money for. Are you making money for God's mission? How does treasures, when Jesus says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven, I'm going to kind of wind down with this. What, what does he mean? Well, listen, you spend eternity by what you believe. If you believe on Christ, you're going to heaven, right? We know that. If you, if you don't, you're not, right? So so you spend eternity by who you're trusting, what you're believing. But how you spend eternity, well, man, that's that's. If you sent any treasure up there. See, some of you guys, you're going to get to heaven. You're going to be in that mansion with piles of treasure in the backyard. And other people, they'll get to heaven and thank God they're in heaven. You know, but they're not going to have the treasure. Why? Because they never sent it up there. They spent it all down here on the earth. I don't know about you, but I want to send some treasure up there. How do we do that? We invest And God's mission and here's the thing about tithing and giving and everything it doesn't make sense but it does create miracles it doesn't make sense but it does create miracles it opens up the door because I can't give without using my faith right I understand the concept of working and, and getting money doing 40 hours 50 hours getting the paycheck grinding it out that makes sense giving doesn't make sense But all of a sudden now I'm engaging my faith and I'm saying, God, I'm gonna trust you to use this resources to build your kingdom to go reach people. You know, there was a group of missionaries, they planted some churches in Africa and then they came over and planted a little church in Indiana. And my family for five generations has known about Jesus because they chose to go from England to invest financially into that little church. And that little pastor started loving on the community and he gave my great grandfather a cow. I've shared this story before. He gave him a cow. It softened his heart, right? And now five generations later, you know, Dell, Harold, Jane, Matt, Audrey, Zeeland, five generations have known Jesus from a gift, from a gift. Those people in England chose to plant the church. He chose to give the cow. Generosity moves hearts. It takes faith, but God can use that faith. He can use that gift and he can create a miracle. And God can get things back to you. And here's the thing, I wanna say this. For my whole Christian life, I've, t- I've chosen to tithe and give. I've lived well on 90%. I've always been able to pay the mortgage. I've always been able to pay the rent. I've always been able to have cars. I've always been able to have clothes. My kids have more toys than we know what to do with. You know, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm fine. I've never known God not to be faithful is what I'm saying. But what I have done is I can look back now after 16 years of following Jesus, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I chose to give to that. I'm so glad we're sponsoring that child. I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm so glad that person's in heaven. I'm so glad for this and this and this. You know, the best thing I did with my money last week was give it to the church. I'm, I'm telling you, because nothing means more to me than that girl last week, Akeelah's friend, giving her life to Christ. You're not gonna do anything more important with your money than invest it in God's mission. And some of you might disagree with me this morning, but man, I, I can talk to you about this all day long. I'm, I'm gonna close with this, I don't mean to harp. But there is nothing greater than God's mission. And when you take your Christian life and when you place it under the mission and vision of God, and you're like, God, I'm gonna invest my time, my talent, and my treasure. And you can't just give one, because I've watched some Christians like, well, I'll tithe, but I'm not gonna serve, right? It's like they wanna outsource it. No, no, man, you gotta be on mission, right? Like, well, I'll share Jesus, but I won't tithe. Like, no, no, man, your money's gotta be on mission. But when you give of your time, your talent, and your treasure, and you put those things under the sovereignty of God and the mission of God, you get in the right environment, and now all of a sudden, God can do everything that He wants to do with your life in and through you. And it's like going from stone tablets to like you know liquid crystal high def television. Life changes when you're on mission. It really does. It really does. And if I could make any Christian do anything, it would be get them on mission. Why? Because you're going to start living in color instead of black and white. And not not for God's benefit, right? God doesn't need His mission. You know, he's the benefactor. He's not the beneficiary, right? God, God initiated He doesn't need his mission. People need the mission. But you get with God's heart, and man, everything changes. Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or are ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at City Lift Church. Thank you.